So good morning, listeners, and welcome to another edition, another podcast from Come and See Inspirations. And it's the second Sunday of Christmas. It is the 2nd of January, 2022. My name is John Keeley, and help me to present the programme this morning and to tell us a little bit about that piece of music that we just introduced the programme with is Shane Ambrose. Good morning to you, Shane. Good morning, John. How are we keeping? Good, thanks. A nice piece of music there you chose. Um... Yeah, it was a little. It was a little different. Um, you know, it's 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 it's. Um, uh, yeah, it's it's, tr- it's a traditional Christmas piece. So first of all, John, happy Christmas. Yes. Uh, yes, still Christmas season, so we can still wish each other happy Christmas. It's Christmas for another few days, folks. Despite their best efforts on national radio and television to tell us Christmas is all over, and of course, Happy New Year. As today, of course, is the second of January. So as John said, that piece of music that we came in with, that's O Come All Ye Faithful, and it's by Awaken Worship. And they are the worship ministry of the Southeast Christian Church in Louisville, Kentucky. And it's just, I thought it was an interesting, um, I thought it was an interesting, interesting interpretation of well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and um, just a little correction there. I think it was well, the, the version that I played was "Oh, come, let us adore him." So I don't. I hope I didn't play the wrong one, Shane. But anyway, the piece of music that I played was "Oh, come, oh, come, uh, oh, come, let us adore him," and that is indeed by Awaken Worship. Yeah, it's, that's the chorus, John from "Oh, come on, you faithful." Good lad, Shane. You corrected me again. Well done. This man, I can't get anything over this man. <laughs> Thanks again, Shane, for for staying with us this morning and, and joining us for yet another podcast. As I said, this is 2022. I want to join with Shane, welcoming all of our listeners wherever they are in the world, whether they're local here in County Limerick in Ireland or abroad. Thank you so much for your support, especially for your prayer support that you've given us at Come and See Inspirations and we hope you enjoy the podcast and there's many more just remind us that there's many more uh, podcasts up on our platform that's uh, Come and See Inspirations of course you can also uh, access us through um, Spotify iTunes Facebook at Come and See Inspirations because each week we do uh, have interviews on topics inspirational music and of course reflecting on the Sunday Gospel if you want to contact us, I'm pleased we'd, we'd ask you to do so. If you've got any comments, suggestions, as uh, Shane said, if you want to sing a song, that's no problem. You can text us on 087-6088-667. That's 087-6088-667. International, 003538760886867. You can also email us, and that's on commonseeinspirations at gmail.com. Maybe just before you do start, Shane, um, we certainly got an awful lot of visits on our Come and See Inspirations at Buzzbread.com to all of the um, reflections that we put up over the Christmas period. And again, we want to thank those guests who did uh, join us and offer their reflections to us at Christmas time. But in the meantime, I know Shane also has maybe some signs for the week for us. Shane, thank you. So, um, so today, of course, liturgically, we are celebrating the second Sunday of Christmas. Now, it's not very often that we have a second Sunday of Christmas. Obviously, it just depends on what way the calendar falls. So for those of us praying the Psalter, we'll be praying week two. Um, liturgically, Christmas, Christmas octave has finished, but the Christmas season continues. 
because uh, liturgically the Christmas season uh, finishes on the feast of the baptism of the Lord, which is actually Sunday week, the 9th of January. Um, so, uh, so technically, uh, this is why we still have our Christmas tree up and we, more import, most importantly, we still have the cribs up in our churches and hopefully you do at home as well. So uh, Monday, the 3rd of, so sorry, the 2nd of January is usually the feast day. We always mention Basil and Gregory Nazianzian. Uh, obviously, because it's a Sunday this year, those two boys don't get celebrated this year. Monday the 3rd, uh, so on the Irish calendar, there are two things listed for us. The first is uh, the holy name of Jesus, um, which is, uh, I'll come back to in a second, but more importantly for us locally here in Limerick, the 3rd is the feast day of St. Munchen. St. Munchen is the patron saint of our home diocese for our, those who are our foreign listeners. So, uh, so St. Munchen uh, is the patron saint of the diocese. His traditional direct de- de- birthplace is generally seen in kind of what is Dal Cash, which is County Clare, kind of. Um, and there in the 7th century, he was granted um, a little place just at the top of the, flood, the tidal waters where Limerick now stands and where he founded a church and had a thriving religious community. So by tradition, he is one of the principal patrons of the diocese. Now, our second principal patron, of course, is St. Ita, whose feast day we celebrate on the 15th of January. And our other saint of the other saint of the diocese is Saint Lilia as well. So, as I said, that's one. The second uh, one that's celebrated on the third of January, the Feast of the Holy Name, is the remembrance and celebration of the conferral of the Holy Name of Jesus. And it was formally listed kind of between the first and sixth of January. Uh, it was started in the fifteenth century and then extended to the whole church in seventeen twenty one. Um, and it is, uh, it depends where you are because the Franciscans, the Carmelites and the Augustinians celebrated on the 14th, the Dominicans celebrated on the 15th, the Lutheran and Eastern churches celebrated on the 1st of January and the Anglicans celebrated on the 7th of August. <laughs> lovely, lovely. <laughs> but obviously uh, the point is, of course, it's to deal with the Jesus's um, naming uh, following uh, the instructions of the angel to St. Joseph and, of course, undergoing the ritual of circumcision, which was required under the Jewish law because he was a, he was a male Jewish child. Um, interestingly, uh, tradition holds that the circumcision of the Lord was the first shedding of blood by Christ for the salvation of mankind. It's not one you, don't, you think about. We tend, we tend to associate it with the passion, but, you know, but anyway, so that's that's the third, that's the third of January, the fourth of January. So I went for an interesting one. I went for a guy called Saint Manuel Gonzalez Garcia, and he's known as the apostle or the bishop of the abandoned tabernacle. And uh, now, one of the reasons I went for him is he's actually he's a twentieth-century saint. He he was uh, well, he was he was born in eighteen seventy-seven, and he died in nineteen forty. Uh, he's a Spanish saint. He died in Madrid. And it's um, it's an interesting one. If you see the guy's picture online, he's this big, jolly kind of priest. It's a lovely picture. That's one of the reasons I went for him. Anyway, the interesting thing about this gentleman was he was sent in 1902. He was sent to preach a mission. And when he arrived, he found the church was filthy and neglected. And he knelt before the tabernacle and felt a call to revitalize devotion to the Eucharist and adoration. And he went on to set up a number of religious orders 
uh, including the disciples of St. John, uh, to spread devotion to the Eucharist and Eucharistic adoration. And he was the founder of the Eucharistic Missionaries of Nazareth and the Children of Reparation. And he's buried next to the tabernacle in the Cathedral of Palencia in Spain. But it's just an interesting one. So then on the 5th of January, we have the feast on the Irish calendar of St. Charles of St. Andrew. Now, otherwise known as um, boom, 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 Mount Argus, so St. Charles of Mount Argus. So he was John Andrew Hoban, and he's Dutch originally, born in 1821, and he took vows as a passionist in 1846 and was appointed to Mount Argus in Dublin in 1857. Now, for those that might not be familiar with it, Mount Argus is the main house for the passionists in Dublin, and it's actually, um, it's between Kemmage and Harold's Cross. It's on the south side of the city, uh, very near the, the graveyard of Mount, Mount St. Jerome, which people would have heard of in Dublin City. And it was there that he spent most of his priestly life, and he was renowned confessor, confessor even. And the poor of Dublin found him a strong support, and he died on the 5th of January in 1893, and he was canonised in 2007. So if he was canonised in 2007, that means he was canonised by Benedict XVI. So that's Charles of St. Andrew, or Charles of Mount Argus. Um, I'll be honest, he's not a saint, not an Irish saint that I would know a whole lot about. It's, he's one of those ones, he's very much a Dublin saint. People in Dublin would know about St. Charles of Mount Argus. He's a local saint. Obviously, in Ireland, Thursday, the 6th of January, is the Feast of the Epiphany. Now, just to say to our international listeners, apologies if we confuse you, but Ireland still follows the traditional calendar in this regard. We do not move the Feast to the Epiphany, um, because I know that happens uh, in the US. I think it happens in the UK, um, where they move it to the, the nearest Sunday. So it can't be the ninth, it has to come back because the ninth is the Feast of the Baptism of the Lord. Ireland maintains the 6th of January because it's locked into local culture because it is Nulignamon, which is Little Christmas or Women's Christmas. So there's a whole load of cultural traditions around the 12th tonight, um, generally to do with celebrating the good hard work that um, homemakers and generally women would do for the preparation of Christmas. And there's a lot of traditions surrounding it. Uh, so, no, so Epiphany is still maintained in Ireland on the 6th of January. Obviously, it's also a very big feast uh, in Europe and in some countries it actually takes precedence, uh, particularly for the children, uh, over the 25th of December. Um, because particularly, I think it's in Spain, I'm not sure about Italy, but definitely in Spain and maybe Portugal, Twelfth Night is the night the presents come because the kings bring the gifts. So that's when you get your Christmas. Yeah, yeah, it's a great one, actually. Obviously, as well, there's also there's a number of traditions associated with epiphanies, such as blessing of the chalk, and then um, then getting people to bless the um, what do you call it, the thresholds or the lentils of the house, and it's there's there's a whole lovely ceremony around that where the chalk is blessed, and then you inscribe or that you inscribe on the door of the house. Uh, the, 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 the abbreviations are the three wise men. So Casper, um, Balthazar, Melchizedek with a cross in between the names and then on either side you'd have the year. So two zero and two zero or two zero and two two rather this year. So that's just one of the traditions associated with um, Epiphany. So then on the 7th of January, we have the feast day of St. Raymond of Pinafort who died in 1275. 
He is the, as far as I know, this gentleman is the patron saint of canon lawyers. Now, you know, general population, we don't have a high regard for those in the legal profession unless we actually need them. And it also extends to those who are canon lawyers. But I happen to have a number of canon lawyers who are friends, so I have to find my tongue and be good and wish them a happy feasting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he was a Domin- he's a Dominican saint. He was a brilliant lawyer, and at the age of forty-seven, he only joined the Dominicans. Uh, and he ended up actually being the head of the Dominicans. He was the he was the, he was the master general, so he, so he was one of the, the head hunter, the top man, the successor to Saint Dominic. So he died in twelve seventy-five. Then on the eighth of January, uh, we are going to Cashel. And St. Albert of Cashel, also known as Albert of Regensburg, is celebrated on the 8th of January. He was an evangelist in Ireland, especially, now I love this. Um, you know when you look stuff up online and you can tell it's not written by an Irish person? So, yeah, evangelist in Ireland, especially around the city of Cashel. <laughs> and I was kind of going, okay, right, fair enough. The Rock of Cashel might have been regarded as a city in the 6th century. Fair enough, you know, I give him that much. Uh, he may have been a bishop, but he was noted as an excellent preacher, being by race and angle in speech an angel. He also, and, and now I'm not quite sure how he jumped from Cashel to Bavaria, but he's also associated with Bavaria with St. Erhard of Regensburg. Uh, the poor man suffered from arthritis in his back and in his hips, and he died on returning from pilgrimage to Jerusalem. Um, so it's it's an interesting one. So he died in 800 at Regensburg in Germany, and he was canonized by Leo XIII in 1902. And he's one of the patrons of Cash, the Diocese of Cashelanimu. So that's uh, who we celebrate on the 8th of January. And then, as I said, next Sunday, the 9th of January, is the Feast of the Baptism of the Lord. That's when you can take down your Christmas decorations, not before. Shane, thank you very much indeed for that. So that's a, a nice reminder again. Now we'll go for our prayer, our prayer space. This morning I've taken the prayer from, actually from the Mass Leaflet. I thought it was a beautiful prayer and I'll share it with listeners now. Our Father, may everything I do begin with your inspiration. Continue with your help and reach perfection under your guidance. With your loving care, guide me in my daily actions. Help me to persevere with love and sincerity. Teach me to judge wisely the things of earth and to love the things of heaven. Keep me in your presence and never let me be separated from you. Make your love the foundation of my life. May it guide my way on earth till I reach eternal life with you. Our Lord Jesus Christ, you gave us your mother Mary to be a mother ever ready to help us. Grant that we who venerate her image may constantly implore her perpetual help and that we may merit to enjoy the fruits of your redemption, who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. So now we'll go for our first bit of music. And Shane, you picked another nice piece of music to suit the season. It's our second piece of music this morning. Uh, so the sec- so this one is, it's the Nativity Carol, and it's been sung by Chris Brunel. And I, this piece I came across over the Christmas, and I actually thought it was a lovely one. Starlight 
it shines upon a lowly manger. Wonder, wonder of the ages, heaven breaks forth on the earth. For a child is born, the world rejoices, shepherds and angels proclaim his birth. This is Jesus the Lord, our Savior and brother, bearing God's peace to the earth. Said angelic voices, tidings of a wondrous love we bring you. Go now, find him in a manger, visit God's home on the earth, for a child is born. Shepherds and angels proclaim his birth. This is Jesus the Lord, our Savior and brother, bearing God's peace to the your mother Mary. Bring us light amid the darkness, promise of life without end. For a child is born, the world rejoices, shepherds and angels proclaim this is Jesus the Lord, our Savior and brother, bearing God's peace to the earth, bearing God's peace to Savior King 
had no home has come to heal our sorrows. Is there room in your heart? Is there room in your heart? Is there room in your heart for God to write His story? Shepherds counting sheep at night Do not fear the glory light You are precious in His sight God has come to raise the lowly. Is there room in your heart? Is there room in your heart? Is there room in your heart for God to write His story? You can come as you are. It may set you apart When you make room in your heart And trade your dreams for His glory Make room in your heart Make room in your heart promise tight every wrong will be made right the road is straight the burdens light for in his hands he holds tomorrow is there room in your heart is there room in your heart is there room your heart for God to write his story you can come as you are but it may set you apart when you make room in your heart and trade your dreams for his glory back to part two of our Come and See Inspirations podcast, uh, podcast uh, produced by the Come and See Inspirations team. Delighted that you're with us for the second Sunday of Christmas. My name is Shane Ambers and joining me to keep things on the road and make sure I don't completely mess it up is the editor-in-chief, Mr. John Keighley, behind me. 
And um, as well as that now, so that piece of music that we just brought you back there, so it's a little, another little something a little different this morning, but still Christmassy. So like we're going with Christmas, but a little different. So that was Casting Crowns and Making Room, and it featured uh, Matt Maher. Now Matt Maher would be alone to a lot, a lot of listeners who are into kind of contemporary Christian worship music. Um, popular guy, a lot of lovely pieces. We've used him on the program quite a few times in terms of music. That's Casting Crowns, Make Room, and featuring Matt Maher. So now, what are we going to do with this part of the program today? So myself and John are scratching our heads, kind of going, what are we going to do after all the Christmas stuff? And kind of before we get into kind of the New Year stuff, because our January kind of almost writes itself at this stage. And I said to John, I'm not doing a year in review for Sunday back after Christmas. Give me a chance. I need to read through stuff. So I proposed. So what I said to him was, you know what we'll do? We'll take, we'll see what did the Pope do over Christmas, all right? So that's kind of what we're doing this morning. So we're going to have a quick run through a couple of things that Pope Francis did over the Christmas period. Because often um, there's a lot of liturgies, there's a lot of talks, there's a lot of homilies that the Pope gives kind of from December on. So we picked out one or two of them. And uh, so we're going to go through those this morning. Now, December is kind of busy because generally in, in from, from a Roman point of view, it starts out the big thing. The first big thing is usually December the 8th, which is the Feast of Immaculate Conception. And the Pope, whoever it is, obviously Pope Francis at the moment, goes to the Piazza, the Plaza de Spagnola, the Spanish square, uh, at, the, at the foot of the steps, the Spanish steps in Rome. And um, they venerate the statue there erected to the Immaculate Conception. Which, uh, but this year, and last year, of course, because of COVID, uh, there wasn't an official public uh, veneration, although Pope Francis did go. I think he turned up, I think it was half six in the morning they drove into the square. And there was just him and his staff and the two firemen, because it seems by tradition, the firemen of Rome helped with this because the statue is so high to put flowers and everything in place. And the Spanish ambassador was there to greet people as well, as you do. Obviously, it's Piazza Spagna, the Spanish embassy is on that square. That's why she was there. So anyway, the Pope, that was his first stop. So then once that happens, kind of Christmas kicks into overdrive for the Vatican. They put up a tree, the crib goes up in St. Peter's Square and so on and so forth. And then you, at this stage, it's almost traditional. Just before they break for Christmas, uh, Pope Francis calls in all of the staff at the Vatican and gives out to them. Um, I have to say, you know... I. He, he makes a lot of very valid points, but I have to say, if I was working at the Vatican, I'd be kind of going, I don't want the boss giving out to me two days before Christmas. You know, that kind of a way. But anyway, staying on things a bit more positive, we'll start with the general audience that he did the Wednesday before Christmas, right? And he reminded us at it that Christmas is an invitation to adore the Son of God. Now, you'll say, Shane, why are we going backwards in time with this? Because it's still the Christmas season. I have this argument with everybody. It is Christmas until the 6th of January. You can argue about it after that. But until the 6th of January, it's still Christmas, so we're still talking about Christmas, right? So Pope at the, Pope's, the, 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 the Pope of the general audience, Christmas is an invitation to adore the Son of Son of God. And he reflected on the birth of Jesus and said, the event is a reminder that we are loved first by God without any merit of our own. Something I suppose that we need to kind of remind ourselves. And he reflected on the birth of Jesus, an event that history cannot dispense with. And, um, and he, he explained, the Pope explained that the message of the gospel is clear. The birth of Jesus is a universal event that concerns all of humanity. Talk, taking example, two examples, the shepherds and the Magi, um, you know, from the East. 
And he said that, you know, the humility of the shepherds, but also the religious seeking of the pagan wise men who undertook a long and difficult journey to find and adore the newborn king of the Jews. And he emphasized that it is only through humility that we can come to God and recognize the true meaning of life, the reason why life is worth truly living or truly worth living. So that was, then he went on to say then that, you know, the reason for our joy and the foundation of our joy is knowing that we are loved without any merit, that we are always loved first by God with a love so concrete that he took on flesh and came to live in our midst. Jesus is the name and face of this divine love, and Jesus is the foundation of our joy. That's what Pope Francis said. I was in the general audience on the Wednesday before Christmas Eve. Then, so then we come to Christmas Eve. So before we go to that, so John, the next piece of music we're going to play is Angels We Have Heard on High. And again, I've gone a little different with this one. So again, it's Awakened Worship, which is the worship ministry of Southeast Christian Church in Louisville, Kentucky.
welcome back. That was Angels We Have Heard on High by Awaken Worship, and which is the worship ministry of the Southeast Christian Church in Louisville, Kentucky. So as I said to John, it's a little different, but it's still Christmas. You know, so you know, we're mixing it up. We're mixing it up. Um, we're trying to, trying to. But anyway, so moving on then to papal talks and homilies, which is what we're doing on part two of the program this week. So moving on to Christmas Eve. So the mass for Christmas night. So um, the Vatican doesn't actually do midnight mass anymore. Um, basically, you know, Pope Francis is 85. He has one loan. And we are in the middle of a global pandemic. So mass is at nine o'clock. But they use they use the mass at, they use the midnight mass text, or as it's now officially called in the liturgical books, mass during the night, as opposed to you know mass I don't know during the day anyway. So um, so it's at mass during the night. Pope Francis reflects on how God comes into the world in littleness as a tiny infant, drawing near to us to touch our hearts. And I was kind of thinking somebody I, one of our I'm trying to remember one of our guests that did reflections reflected on that as well. I was thinking, ooh, someone was in touch with Rome. But, <laughs> but um, you know, so it's it was an interesting now it was it was a much smaller celebration at St. Peter's on Christmas Eve, obviously because of the COVID restrictions and all the rest of them. And in you know, in his homily, the Pope very much kind of said that the message of the nativity is that God does not rise up in grandeur, but lowers himself into littleness. Um, showing that littleness is the path God shows to draw near to us, to save us, and to bring us back to what truly matters. Very much there, I think, echoing, if you like, um, that great saint of the little people, which is, of course, St. Teresa of the little flower. Um, the central image and message we contemplate today is the child. How God is completely present in his littleness, the Pope said. He invited us to be amazed by this scandalous truth, the one who embraces the universe needs to be held in another's arms. How the creator of the sun needs to be warmed and how tenderness incarnate needs to be comforted. And then he pointed out that the challenge of Christmas is to ask whether we can accept God's way of doing things when our human tendency is to seek worldly grandeur. Um, you know, while God lowers himself, we try to become great, but God does not seek power and might. He asks for tender love and interior littleness. And the Pope added, amid our ordinary lived experience, he wants to do extraordinary things. His is a message of immense hope. Jesus reminds us, especially on this night, that he loves us just as we are, is close to us and asks for our trust and an open heart. We too are called to embrace Jesus in the little ones of today by loving him in the least of our brothers and sisters, the poor, forgotten and needy, as in them Jesus makes himself known. And then he said, everything is unified when Jesus is at the centre, not our ideas about Jesus, but Jesus himself, the living one. And in conclusion, the Pope encourages us to return to the origins and the essentials of faith to our first love, to adoration and charity. Let us, let us rouse ourselves, for tonight a light has been lit, a kindly light, reminding us that in our littleness, we are beloved sons and daughters, children of the light. 
Yeah, I've, I've, uh, one of our contributors, um, Sister <coughs> Katrina Kavanagh, actually, and she's the lady, she's the, um, the guest who uh, highlighted the fact that I've been open to the hiddenness of the mystery of the occasion, and I think it's beautiful. The other, the other, the, the other thing that I love about Vatican, um, should we say, I, I don't know whether you call them high masses these days, but the, the Gregorian chants, is absolutely something that it's just something that is it happens so rarely that I hear anyway. Uh, it can really take it take it away in time and, and and help me certainly to be in a different world, a bit different now to jingle bells. Do you know that type of thing? Just a bit, just a bit. Well, I have to say now, if the Vatican couldn't get their Gregorian chant right, we'd be all kind of worried. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an interesting one. It's you know, it's not necessarily a discussion for today, but um, it's still. Second Vatican Council still says that Catholics should be able to sing Gregorian chant. It wasn't got rid of. They never. They didn't get rid of it at the Second Vatican Council. In, 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 the, in the document on the sacred liturgy, it specifically maintains the special position of Gregorian chant, something we might come back to another time. Yeah. So then the second thing, or the third thing I wanted to cover, John, from Rome over the Christmas is the Urbi et Urbi. So this is the bit that generally makes the news. So Urbi et Urbi is the papal blessing from the balcony outside St. Peter's to the city and to the world. Now, it's an interesting thing. Urbi et Urbi only restarted after 1929 because from, I think, 1895 to 1928, obviously the popes were prisoners of the Vatican after the establishment of the new state, uh, the new Italian state of Italy and the seizure of Rome. So if, between those two years, the Urbi et Urbi was actually given interior-wise to St. Peter's uh, Basilica. But anyway, Urbi et Urbi is the blessing from the uh, the balcony, and it's uh, it's the one that you see on the television. It's the bit that's generally covered on the news. And it happens three times, well, twice a year. It happens with Urbi et Urbi at Christmas, with Urbi et Urbi at Easter. And if we get a new Pope, there's an Urbi et Urbi when uh, he's but you have the Abemus Papam when he's introduced to the crowd from the balcony. There's a Urbi et Urbi there as well. And for those that are interested or want to, the, um, the benefit of the partial indulgence for participating and watching the Urbi et Urbi is available even if you watch it back. Not quite sure how that works myself, but that's what the Mother Church teaches us. So there you go. <clears throat> but anyway, in terms of the message itself and what Pope Francis said, so obviously it's given it it's given it midday on, on Christmas Day in St. Peter's Square. And Pope Francis expressed the joy of this day when God shows us through the birth of Jesus the way of encounter and dialogue so that we might know it and follow it in trust and hope. The kind of continuation of themes here with the Pope's messages over the Christmas. Uh, in his opening words, he announced the word of God who created the world and who gives meaning to history and to humanity's journey became flesh and came to dwell among us. So obviously, you know, makes kind of sense. The successor of St. Peter, that is his pro primary job, is to proclaim the incarnation of Christ. And this event that fills the heart with wonder shows how the word became flesh in order to dialogue with us. Since God himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is dialogue, an eternal and infinite communion of love and life. The Pope observed that our world needs dialogue, especially in these pandemic times, when unity and solidarity are essential to overcoming the hurt in social relationships. And hearing very much the great cry of suffering that's going up, 
And he reminds us that the message of the Saviour's birth is the source of true peace that resounds in our heart and the world. And the Christmas message calls us to respond to the tragedies in our world. And in particular, I suppose this is where, you know, he, he mentioned specific countries. So in particular, he was given the example of Syria. Um, he said that love that moves the sun and the other stars became flesh, sharing in our plight and breaking down the walls of indifference. The little child in need of everything came to give us everything. And then he goes on, he went on to mention specific parts of the world, I suppose, that don't often get covered by the press. So in, in particular, he mentioned uh, Myanmar, Afghanistan, the Ukraine, Ethiopia, Sudan and South Sudan, uh, the Sahel region across across northern Africa. And in particular, he prayed for those suffering, uh, particularly women who are the victims of violence. Um, children suffering due to bullying and the elderly who are even more isolated. And he asked the Lord to give peace and mind to unity to all families and the children that they are raising. He prayed also for the current health emergency. He prayed for those imprisoned due to war, conflicts and political reasons. He prayed and recalled migrants and refugees, for migrants and refugees, and also, of course, for the climate crisis, so praying and drawing our, attentive, our need to be attentive to our common home. And he underscored, hope prevails. A child is born who is the word of God. May we learn to listen to God, our Father, to listen to one another and to dialogue as brothers and sisters and ask the Lord to teach us to walk beside him on the paths of peace. And of course, that was the message. That was the messages from the Orbiator. So that's a couple of reflections, summaries of what the Holy Father said over the Christmas season. And of course, um, the re the reason why Shane brought that to our attention is, although the Pope mentioned it, really the the whole the whole idea was that we also take time to reflect and maybe bear in mind, maybe pray for those people who the Pope was praying for that particular um, on, on those particular occasions, and of course. All, all, all of that information, Shane, all of those texts and even YouTubes are available on the Vatican website. Is that right? If people want yeah, to go back Vatican again. Vaticannews.ca for anyone who wants to see them. If you want to get synopsis of them, a good website to check in is Rome Reports or uh, the Crooks, the, 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 the website that John, Allen's, John Allen, the Vaticanista, works on as the editor for is also good for coverage like that. So at this point, Shane, we might go for a piece of music to finish off this section. You picked another piece, uh, Breath of Heaven, I believe. Yes. So this is a nice one. Um, it's been sung by Amy Grant, and it's, it's called Breath of Heaven. It's sometimes known as Mary's Song. And it's a, nice, it's a nice little one. Now, possibly, maybe we should have played this for Advent, but I thought it was a nice, gentle one for Christmas as well. Shane, your choice. And particularly, and particularly as yesterday was the feast day of Mary, the Mother of God. Your choice of music is, as they say, exquisite. Well done, Shane. Let's come back again uh, after listening to this in part three, where we'll read and reflect on the Word of God. Join us then. But in the meantime, enjoy Amy, Amy Grant and the Breath of Heaven. I have traveled 
many moonless nights, cold and weary, with a babe inside, and I Bro.
So welcome back again to the third part of our podcast here on Come and See Inspirations. As I said, my name is John Keeley. It's still joined by Shane Ambrose. This is, the, as I said, the most important part of the, of the program where we read and reflect on the Word of God. And that's why just before that, Shane picked a beautiful piece of music again, a candlelight carol. Um, this is uh, sung by Aled Jones. Yes, Alan Jones, he of uh, very much associated with Christmas, of course, he's the Welsh, he's the Welsh tenor who, as a boy soprano, uh, was the boy who sang um, Walking in the Air, the one with the snowman. Back, yeah, back, yeah, him. Nice. And he's also, he's also the presenter on the BBC's, what they call that program on Sundays, Songs of Praise. Does he present that every week, does he, or, or just every now and again? I think he's the principal presenter, and I haven't seen it for a while. We don't have the channels, so I'm not 100% sure, but he used to do it every week. I'll have to check it out and come back to you. How do you capture the wind on the water? How do you count all the stars in the sky? How can you measure the love of a mother? Or how can you write down a baby's first cry? Candlelight, angel light, firelight. And star glow shine on his cradle till breaking of dawn. Gloria, Gloria, in excelsis angels are singing, the Christ child is
child with his mother that first Christmas day. Candlelight, angel light, firelight and star glow, shine on his cradle till breaking of dawn. Glory Before we read and reflect on the Word of God, there's a prayer we always pray, and Shane usually prays this prayer for us. Thanks, Shane. Lord, we thank you for putting us in the presence of your Word, which you inspired in your prophets. <clears throat> May we approach this Word reverently, attentively, and humbly. May we not despise this Word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your Word. Send your Spirit to us, so that receiving the Word in truth and simplicity, our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it, let our eyes be closed and our minds wander. But may we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this, Father, in union with Mary, who used to recite the Psalms through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks for that, Shane. So now we come for the Gospel for this uh, for this week, which is the second Sunday of uh, after Christmas. Um, and it's taken from the Gospel of John. Chapter 1 and verse 1 to 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things came to be. Not one thing had its been but through him. All that came to be had life in him. And that life was the light of men, a light that shines in the dark, a light that darkness could not overpower. A man came, sent by God. His name was John. He came as a witness, as a witness to speak for the light, so that every, everyone might believe through him. He was not the light, only a witness to speak for the light. The word was a true light that enlightens all men, and he was coming into the world. He was in the world, it had its being through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own domain. And his own people did not accept him. But to all who did accept him, he gave power to become children of God. To all who believe in the name of him, who was born not out of human stock, or urge of the flesh, or will of man, but of God himself. The word was made flesh. He lived among us. And we saw his glory. And the glory that is his as the only son of the Father, full of grace and truth. John appears as a witness. He proclaims this is the one of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he existed before me. Indeed, from his fullness, all, all we ha- indeed from his fullness we have all of us received. Yes, grace in return for grace. Since through the law was given through Moses, grace and truth have come through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. It's only the Son, who is nearest to the Father's heart, who has made him known. So that's the Gospel for today, the Gospel of John. Um, 
I know it's one of those Gospels that Shane loves to reflect on. Might be a short reflection, but anyway, Shane, see where we go. Yeah, it could be a very short reflection. (laughs) (laughs) Um, John's, the prologue to the Gospel of St. John, that's that's what we've just listened to there. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. In the beginning was the Logos, the Logos was with God, the Logos was God, is generally how it's more technically translated. John's prologue is his um, Christmas narrative, if you like. There is no, you know, there's no stable, there's no Bethlehem, there is no uh, wise men in the Gospel of St. John. We hear about those in Luke and Matthew to a certain extent. Um, So Mark doesn't have uh, a Christmas story, neither does John. John starts... And John's gospel is a gospel which is very different to the other three synoptics. Um, the other three synoptics, you'd almost regard them as, you know, a form of a history or a biography or, or, you know, of, of somebody if, if you weren't of, of a faith persuasion. John's gospel is quite different. It was written much later than the other three. Tradition holds that it was written by the, the apostle St. John and very much focused around the Joannine community. And it's a very different gospel to pick it up and read. But it's also a very challenging gospel to pick it up and read. Because it's, it's the, the syntax, the wording of it can be cumbersome to our ears, unless we're willing to sit and give it time. It is very much, <clears throat> if you could describe the three synoptics, Matthew, Mark and Luke, you could tr- you could try you could you could tr- describe them as kind of action thrillers written for the cinema, if you like. Particularly the Gospel of Mark. Mark is sixteen chapters. Jesus hits the ground running and doesn't stop until he ascends into heaven. You know, it's just it go 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 go. John's Gospel is very different. It's more poetry, and it's more reflective, and calls us to stand back and to digest what's being said. Not the easiest thing in the world to do. I will put my hand up and say I struggle with the Gospel of St. John. Uh, It's not the easiest one in the world to do. And it's very much written, I suppose, from a mindset of engaging with the tradition of Greek philosophy and and trying to look at bigger pictures in the world. And in, in particular, it starts out and it reminds us that the encounter with Jesus is a continuation of encounters of love with God from the beginning of creation. And the reminder to us that Jesus is divine. It takes what's called, the technical term is, it's a very high Christology. So what that means in layman's terms is, it looks at Jesus very much from his divine point of view, coming down to earth. Whereas Luke and Matthew look very much at the human the messiness of Bethlehem, the messiness of Jesus' family, the messiness of being born in the stable. Very human approach to the, to the incarnation. John's is a bit more higher up in terms of theology. It's a high, what we call a, a bit more high Christology. But it's still getting the point across that through him all things came to be. Not one thing had its being but through him. And all that came to be had life in him. And that life was the light of men a light that shines in the dark, a darkness, a light that darkness could not overpower. So it's very much John's approach is reminding us and setting the theme for his gospel in that he's setting out the salvation story and very much pitching it to us 
that no matter the darkness that we will encounter as we go through the gospel and ultimately at Calvary, but that the light will conquer the darkness, the light that came at the very beginning, the light that comes, I came out of, of that very creation. And it's an interesting thing. Some of the greatest scientists have said, you know, there's the whole debate, science and faith, do they coalesce at any stage? And people say, no, of course they're not. But actually, some of the greatest scientists are those that can say, well, we know so much, but there are still so many answers we cannot answer, or so many questions we cannot answer. And one of those interesting ones is that the Big Bang Theory, which is the great theory of the creation of the universe, was proposed by Belgian Jesuits. And in some ways, you know, it talks about the Big Bang, and suddenly you have this flash of light across the galaxy. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word is with God, and God said, let there be light. You know, it's an interesting one to think about, you know, to say that there isn't necessarily, you don't take the Bible as your scientific textbook. That's not what it is. It's 23 books. It's made up of letters. It's made up of the Gospels. It's made up of the Apocalypse. It's made up of the wisdom literature. It's made up of the Pentateuch. It's made up of the, uh, it's, it's histories, fables, all there. It's a library. It's not a book. But when we look at the gospel this morning, I suppose we're reminded that the word was the true light that enlightens all people. And he was coming into the world. He came into his own domain and his own people did not accept him. But to all who did accept him, he gave power to become children of God. To all who believe in the name of him who was born, not of human stock or urge of the flesh, but or will of man, but of God himself. You know, and in that great, great line from John's gospel, the word was made flesh, he lived among us, and we saw his glory, the glory that is his as the only son of the father, full of grace and truth. And I suppose for us, as we reflect on this gospel, and this is the gospel from Christmas Day morning, and, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those ones you need to take it away and kind of pray it. There's no, there's no, you know, there's no point. Myself and John, we could talk about it and we could try and say, well, what do we think we got out of it? The honest answer is we'd probably put you off on the wrong track, to be honest, and to be fair. You know, it's John's, John's gospel is not the, you know, it's one of those ones. It invites us to deep reflection. Read the passage a few times, savoring the language, like almost you know, like a cow chews the cud. You need to masticate the language. You need to reflect on each sentence. Because the way John writes, be it in his gospel or in any of the letters, the words, the choice of words is very precise. And it's something that, you know, is there a word or a phrase that stands out for you, for you when you're you know, reflecting on it and staying with it and praying and allowing God to speak to us in our hearts? And I suppose the ultimately, you know, it's the reminder to us, we, we are in God and God is in us. God is not somewhere out there, but right here, right now, our light, our joy, our energy and our comfort. God loves things by becoming them. God did so in the creation of the universe and of Jesus and continues to do so in the ongoing human body of Christ. Um, yeah, my just my own thought on that, and I was getting Michael de Vettai to help me out to continue my reflection on it. But certainly, uh, what came to me was that's um, the second sentence I think it is of today's gospel. He was with God in the beginning, through him all things came to be, and not one thing had its being but through him. 
And we tend to forget that. We tend to forget. We think uh, in our modern world that we can sort it all out and so on and so forth. That's telling me anyway today that not one thing had its being but through him and not one thing continues to have its being as far as I'm concerned but through him. And just to share just a few little uh, lines there from Michael de Vettai. Michael suggests this morning, he said, Lord, humanity today wants to live independently of you. And even Christians speak as if you created the world and then left it to its own devices. We thank you for the teachings of St. John, reminding us that all things came to be only because you speak a word, that every single thing exists today as it's been because the word continues to be spoken into it. And the only way that anything which has come to be has life today is because your word lives within it. I'd need to read that a few times today to try to get that through my own little skull, but just that last little bit there. The only way that that anything which has come to be has life today is because your word lives with it. And we thank the Lord for all of that. Brings us to the end of our podcast today. Thanks, Shane, for, for sharing your thoughts with us and sharing for some beautiful pieces of music with us. You've got one to finish up with today. Finish up. Yeah. With so the last piece out today is Joy to the World. And it is being sung by the, or it's been performed by the Gabriel Trumpet Ensemble and the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. Thanks again for joining us. And let's listen to this beautiful piece of music, Joy, Joy to the World. So until next week. Thanks, Dave, for joining us. God bless for now. Bye.